الجزيرة بودكاست. A new president for Nigeria after an election with a turnout of only 27%. Many in the country face poverty and hunger, while armed groups present ongoing security threats. So what are Bola Tanupu's key policies and his biggest challenges? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests then for today's discussion. From Abuja, we're joined by Hamzat Lawal, founder of Connected Development, which is an organization helping Africa achieve sustainable development goals. From Washington, D.C., we're joined by Aisha Yusufu, founder of Citizens Hub, a Nigerian organization focusing on increasing women and youth participation in politics. And from Ankara, Avigwe Aguegu, international security analyst at the AfriPolitica Consultancy. A warm welcome to all of you. Let's start with you, Avigwe. 25 million votes were cast in an election of 220 million people, according to the Financial Times. A voter turnout of 27%, meaning that two-thirds of the 87 million people who registered to vote failed to do so. Would you agree that something doesn't smell right here? Was Bola Tanubu fairly elected? Is he Nigeria's legitimate president? I mean, that, 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 those numbers only paint a picture of uh, what's, what, what, the, what the Nigerian public is saying. Because you have some segment of the population saying, uh, if you had 93 million people registered to vote, you know, we had uh, 27, 27% turnout, then provided the person has the majority of the votes, the, that person is, is declared winner and, uh, and returned uh, elected. So, but you also have to look at the fact that uh, nine, only 9 million people voted for the president, right? And that, that is a very low number. Comp- if you look at even the registered voters and the general population, which is uh, about 220 million, so, yes, uh, it, it, it's a, it was a very contested election. A lot of people are disappointed. I think overall, uh, even though the constitutional process has been followed, there, are still case, there is still a case in court, and we'll have to wait until about three weeks from now to find out what the outcome of that will be. Already, there was one case that was dismissed by the Supreme Court that was uh, aiming to disqualify the vice president for double nomination, but that was thrown out just some days ago. So, but I think the big one now is what the Labour Party, that is the uh, one of, one of uh, Peter Obi's party, would do in, in regards to the outcome of the election, because there were a lot of, lots of questions regarding the process and the outcome. Aisha, outgoing President Mohamedou Bahari had staked his reputation on a clean contest. Was it a, a people right to be concerned? Uh, and, and what does the result of uh, this election, the outcome, uh, say to the people who your organization represents? Well, the outcome of the uh, election, uh, it's not a reflection of the way the people voted. And that's the thing that's in contention right now. Uh, You did mention about uh, the the register, the party register and the percentage of people that came out. And that's to say there's a need to actually look at that register and be sure that the people who are uh, claimed to be registered, they're actually human beings who are registered and not just uh, fictitious numbers. Uh, Beyond that also is to say that the election wasn't 
been conducted uh, the way it ought to have been conducted. INEC didn't follow its process. There were a lot of rigging. There was violence. And we must go away from the fact where we accept uh, people rigging their way into power because that's also a political coup. And if the world is not ready to accept a military coup, then it should not in any way accept uh, a political coup. Situation where we have where all manners of uh, rigging is done and then someone is declared and people are told to go to court. That that has to stop. And for a lot of Nigerians and myself included, uh, and, and Nigeria yet does not have a, a precedent. We are waiting for 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 ever for justice to be done. Uh, we are waiting to see you know the the people the people the uh, the person that the people gave their mandate to be the one that is declared, not what we have seen so far. Uh, Hamza, we can't really speculate upon what the courts. Uh, will decide. Th this question, I think, is designed uh, more to, to get to uh, the, the legitimacy of Nigeria's judiciary here. Uh, Tanuba's already been sworn in. What happens if the courts do decide the election has to be rerun, or will they opt for acknowledging irregularities while allowing the result to stand? Is it possible that the result did, in fact, reflect the will of the people? How independent is Nigeria's judiciary? judiciary? Well, a lot of people will say the judiciary is on trial, but I think that as a society and as a people, each and every one of us is on trial. Because as a country, what is our values? And how are we going to ensure we entrench uh, the principles of democracy, fairness, and ensure inclusivity? So if the judiciary says that uh, the election should be upturned and everyone held, then INEC would undertake another election. Uh, but then there will be that debate about can we afford another election? But I think what's important is we must continue to ensure that Nigeria does not remain stagnant. We must continue to move forward. But as we move forward, there must be justice, because if there's justice, then people can enjoy peace and prosperity in the country. But I think what's also fundamental is, yes, we might argue that Tinubu does not have popular votes, but he has majority votes, or INEC has declared that he had majority votes. And the, the Constitution and INEC um, guidelines and even INEC Act is clear on that. But I think what's also important is to have reforms. You know, let's reform this process. Let's reform the fabric of society, an institution that holds our fabric together and upholds democratic principle within the country. Uh, Avigwe, um, if the courts do decide that the result stands and that Tanubu is the rightful president, what sort of leader is he going to be? To what extent is he going to govern in the style of his predecessor, given that they both come from the same party, uh, who, of course, came to power promising so much, but ultimately delivering so little, at least uh, as far as improving the lives of ordinary Nigerians is concerned? He ran on a platform of you know, improving the economy, you know, creating jobs, uh, working on security. I mean, the two major... Uh, Issues facing the country right now is you know, lackluster growth, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, in security you know, crisis in many in many parts of, of the country. But it remains to be seen how he's going to execute on that. A lot of people are even concerned about about you know his, his physical ability to to discharge his, his duties. Now, give put that aside and let's look look at look at what the policy platforms. And on his inauguration day, he has removed uh, uh, announced removal of, of fuel subsidies, which has been a controversial issue in in the, in the country for many years. And of course, we know that with, with the country currently having 
you know, over 20% in, uh, infl inflation if, as of March 2022. The move of subsidy, of course, is going to, you know, worsen those inflation. But the argument he is giving now is that removing the first subsidy, uh, subsidy allows him to divert such funds into infrastructure and all of that. But if you look at the scale of infrastructure deficit in Nigeria, that is only, that is a fraction when it comes to uh, what you can save from uh, from subsidies. But overall, I think um, if if he if the courts rule lose in his favor, he has he, he has his job cut out for him because there's there's a lot of problems that's really structural problems, both in the economic dimension. You know, uh, in, uh, if you look at that, for instance, in, uh, like I said, inflation is 22%, unemployment is at 40%. You know, uh, and and youth unemployment is even higher. You know, at 53.4 percent. So may, even though we have all of these you know problems, then the particular segment of the population, which is the youth, who is not particularly popular amongst, they are the ones even facing much much of the economic problems. So I think it he would have to find a way to you know to create jobs, to create the a kind of enabling environment for these people to thrive, because that is the only way. He can he can actually hold that office without see, seeing protests after, after protests, given the, the economic uh, challenges that the country is currently facing. We'll talk more about about the challenges that he faces uh, economically uh, and politically in just a moment. But first, Aisha, how important will it be for the new president to build a cabinet comprising of people who are untainted by scandal or corruption, given the allegations that swirl around his own party? Uh, will where will he find that that team? Do people of the caliber that he needs exist within his own party. Uh, so, so for me to come in, uh, first of all, just to briefly talk about uh, a particular uh, case that was mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, uh, the decision that was made by the Supreme Court on the double nomination of uh, 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 Senator uh, Shetima, uh, is to say is to say that uh, the court has ruled that the, the party that came in didn't have the local standing to do that. It's not so. It is the thing is still on uh, on, on trial. In terms of uh, whether, for me, one of the things I think we must uh, we must be consistent about is to understand that justice, without justice, we can't have development and we cannot keep uh, pushing things away and just uh, throwing things, uh, uh, sweeping things under, under, under the, uh, the bed and, and, and all of that. We can't just move on to say that the president has been sworn in and all of that. I personally, I don't recognize that the president has been sworn in in, my, in, in Nigeria, not my president, Buhari, uh, not my president, Tinubu. And definitely, uh, we need to get to a place where we are not giving people enabling environment to, to, to use everything to rig themselves into power and then legitimize themselves because they go on. This acceptance has been what has kept Nigerians down. And we must ensure that, first of all, let's work on getting that justice but he didn't get the highest number of legal votes, and that's in contention. And if we keep moving on, we continue to create enabling environments for people to do heinous things for them to get into uh, power. We must consider political coup in the same way that we consider military coup. Hamza, would you agree with that? Well, I think that, you know, we need to be careful here because Nigeria has not, uh, has not enjoyed stability both the country and even the West African region. And for me, what's important is to ensure stability, right? because we don't want a country that will go up in flame. And each and every one of us must first put our country and patriotism before anything else. I can understand that some people are still aggrieved. I can understand that um, some people are not happy with the outcome of the election. But I think what is important is to put our country first. You know, I, yeah, I live here and my family is here. And I think that, yes, uh, Agreed parties are in court, and let's 
trust and belief in the process. But we must continue to give the Nigerian people hope. Today, what the president has to deal with is unemployment, poor subsidy. He needs to also ensure that insecurity, and, and for me, when you look at insecurity, since 1999, the, the National Security Advisor of Societal a government has always been a retired military officer. I think right now we need to look at an intelligent officer to look at uh, to occupy the office of the National Security Advisor and also invest more in intelligence gathering, working with partners to mobilize resources based on data that inform policy and decision making about around insecurity. We're dealing with multidimensional poverty. Over 120 million people uh, cannot afford a dollar a day. So again, is to invest in microeconomy. How can uh, small businesses access credit loan uh, uh, grant to finance our informal sector? Uh, I, I like the fact that he talked about effects and ensuring that we have a unified effect. So that would also help as he removes subsidy of subsidy have been removed by the end of uh, June. But also think that we need stronger institution. How does the National Assembly hold the executive to account? How the judiciary also translates our constitution that depicts justice, fairness, and equity? Uh, the president talks about having uh, you know, a cabinet that has women and men, because you, you can't take away uh, uh, gender disparity and also the role of young people in governance and politics and, and informing nation building. So I think these are really important. As much as we agree, I think that we need to be careful on how we take these grievances forward, and we need to work to build more institutions so we have more stronger institutions and weaker men and women in the corridors of power. Avigwe, would, would you agree with, with what you just heard there well, on what needs to be done? Why didn't his predecessor, Mohamedou Bahari, tackle all of that? Well, uh, in the area of security, I think we have to look at it from, you know, uh, from yeah, Boari's administration. Boari did make a lot of efforts in terms of strengthening the capacity of, of the Nigerian military, procured, you know, weapons from from everywhere, you know, from the Russians, from the Chinese, uh, from the Americans as well, just as they are made, are made available to him to try to build on the gains made by the previous administration of uh, Gulag Jonathan. However, even as he was making success in the Northeast with regards to Boko Haram, what we saw in Northwest Nigeria and the Middle Belt was an eruption of, you know, banditry, kidnapping for ransom. And uh, if you recall, sometime uh, in, in March of, of last year, there was the, the bombing of the Abuja Kaduna Railway, and over 100 people were, were kidnapped, several were, were killed during the process. So we have serious problems with regards to security that even still exist today that the new president has, has inherited. And then just like the previous speaker mentioned with, with the economy as well, there's still a lot of problems you know, in that regard. So if he is going to tackle these issues, he would need to build a very high power in, uh, uh, cabinet that can bring together all of the necessary you know, uh, knowledge and expertise you know, that, 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 can, that can deal with these problems. However, it is still not enough to have the right people. You need financing. And Nigeria currently has a debt-to-GDP ratio of about 37%, and the revenues are not doing so well. So you can't even think about borrowing, borrowing more money because Nigeria, as a country, is really averse to, to you know, borrowing more and more. And that, that I think one of the main questions he will need to, to find an answer to very quickly is development finance and financing whatever initiatives he's going to come up with because there are a lot of initiatives and the money just isn't there. Aisha, uh, Tanubu said, our mission is to improve our ways of life in a manner that nurtures our humanity, 
encourages compassion towards one another and duly rewards our collective efforts. Hope is back for Nigeria, he said. Uh, what about the nation's youth, though, who almost certainly didn't vote for a 71-year-old uh, to be their president? They feel alienated by the country's political system. Uh, do they have hope? Uh, so I think uh, the first thing that we need to, 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 to address is this issue of stability, that uh, constantly there's a desperation to be able to get stability over justice, over uh, the justice of people's mandate. And, and that has led us to being one of the most unstabilized uh, uh, countries in, in, in West, West Africa. Uh, the, a lot of atrocities have been going on, a, a lot of killings and maiming, like had been uh, mentioned by the previous uh, speakers. And so we must come to a place where we we are confronting the issues as they are. We all live in Nigeria. I live in Nigeria. My Every of my investment is in Nigeria. My family is there. I'm here uh, temporarily on something. I'm going to be back in Nigeria uh, very soon. But the issue where we want to sweep away this and just continue like, has gotten us where we are. And like you rightly mentioned, this is someone who was not voted for by the majority of the people. And there was a sabotage that happened in terms of Inflicting yourself as uh, to be duly elected and people being dared to go to the uh, judiciary. So this is the angst. This is the anger. The young people that have no confidence in the country that have been that had been killed repeatedly, that have been denied enabling environment for them to grow, decided to do what was legal, to work within the ambit of the law and go to the polls and you know vote for someone they wanted. And that process needed to be allowed to happen fully and in a free fair and credible manner, and whatever the result it throws up, then so be it. But a situation where you're seeing direct rigging, crude rigging, killing, maiming, changing of results, and someone being declared, there is no way you're telling people to move on and have confidence in, in, in such a system. And there's no way there needs to be the acceptance uh, of the people. So let's not be too in a hurry to work crave for this stability that we've been craving or all this way that has thrown our country into chaos. The system, the, the, when, like someone said, when if somebody wants to be called excellency, you must ensure that the process that brings you into office must be excellent, must be free, fair, and credible, and must be seen to be free, fair, and credible. And that's where we are. And for me personally, I'm not moving away from there. I've stayed too much on focusing on stability against people's justice, and it hasn't gotten us anywhere. It has has gotten us to a worse place. As far as I'm concerned, Aisha, I do not recognize uh, the person of Mr. Bola Metinibu as the president of Nigeria. He's not my president, not my president Tinubu. That's what he remains. Thank you. So, Hamzat, what will the new president's first 100 days in office look like? Um, uh, supposing that, that the courts decide that he is the legitimate president. As we've established, he has a, a wealth of problems to deal with, from insecurity to the fiscal crisis, poverty, deepening public discontent with the state. I mean, he certainly has to hit the ground running. Does he have the political skills required for such a mammoth task? How long will the electorate give him before expressing their dissatisfaction? Well, I think he has the political skill because he's one politician that has remained relevant uh, after the Fourth Republic. Uh, I think that his first 100 days in office has to look at corruption issues. And first to start, he must also lead by example and declare his assets publicly to the Nigerian people and also strengthen anti-corruption agencies. So is how are we using savings from 
um, the first subsidy to invest more in education and healthcare, because that's what he said in his speech, because it has to be clear. Uh, he said he was going to create jobs. We need to see that he creates an enabling environment for these jobs to be created. It's not the role of government to create jobs, but it's the role of government to create an enabling environment and uh, attract a direct foreign investment that helps to ensure uh, a distribution of wealth and creation of, of jobs uh, and values. Also, as to how is he engaging women? Because when you look at society today, a lot of we don't have a lot of women in the corridors of power. Uh, after the elections, the national assembly, the numbers of women that get got reelected into the national assembly continues to decline. How is he able to balance this with his appointment on the cabinet and also young people? What are the roles of young people in his government? And what's his definition of youth? Because we've seen sixty-year-olds to call themselves youths in the corridors of power. I think this could inform what becomes of his hundred days in office as the court decides uh, you know, the outcome of the election. But beyond that also, he needs to commit to an electoral reform. We know that today, uh, uh, INEC did not deliver on her own promises in adhering to the process and even the 2022 Electoral Act, with the fact that IREF failed Nigeria to provide real-time information on the results. So is he committing to an electoral reform that truly allows INEC to be independent without external interference and also ensure that there are consequences to action or inaction, leading by example, because today Nigeria sadly is with a country without consequence where everything go. And, and with that, the rule of law would not, you know, take the front seat. Ovigwe, we, we've spent much of our discussion focusing on uh, Nigeria's uh, domestic uh, problems. Let's uh, look uh, in the last few minutes of the programme uh, Externally, um, where does Nigeria stand regionally? A country of its size and wealth arguably should be wielding far more clout than it does with its, its regional neighbours. What, what will foreign policy look like under the new president? Yeah, there are very clear foreign policy objectives that he has to pursue. And one of them is actually security. But you, you know, we have over 2.5 million people displaced in, in Lake Chad because of the uh, Lake Chad basin countries, because of the uh, the war against uh, Boko Haram and, and, and ISWA. So, of course, uh, there, there is a multinational joint task force, including in Nigeria, Chad, uh, Cameroon, working, working together collaboratively to ensure that they really you know, win, the, win the war on, on terror. And he has to continue and at least double down on that. That, that, is, that is a very clear, uh, clear one. Also, in the West African region, we've seen coups in recent times in Mali, in Burkina Faso. Uh, and uh, very recently, Nigeria was uh, under Buhari's administration. Rather, Nigeria was involved in the Gambia, providing stability after Ajami refused, you know, to uh, to accept the outcome of, of the of the election. Uh, so, the, Nigeria has a role to play in the West African region, uh, not just security in the, in uh, in uh, Lake Chad and Sahel, but also in terms of what other economic issues as well. Uh, um, in the broader Africa region, with AFCFTA being being instrumentalized and operationalized, of course we know um, that the that certain investments in Nigeria are, go are looking forward to take advantage of the of the AFCFTA. So Nigeria needs to be seen as not just providing a, new a kind of political leadership in the, in the West African region, engaging with these uh, juntas to transition so that they transition to democracy. It also needs to play its role in security in the Lake Chad, in the Gulf of Guinea, where we have piracy issues. It has to continue okay. to do that. And in Africa as a whole, the AFCFTA, we're bringing that into full implementation. 
Hamzat, I've got about a minute left on the programme. Do, do you want to just tell me what, what you think that the foreign policy uh, priorities should be under the new president? Well, in his speech, he mentioned working closely with ECOWAS and the African Union and other partners. But I think that Nigeria needs to take her position in the affairs of nation. We used to be called the giant of Africa. Our foreign policy must strengthen the role of ECOWAS in the sub-region and ensure that the instability experienced in Mali and other countries where military junta has subverted the will of people and democracy needs to be addressed. And how African Union respond when the issue of Africa is being discussed and how the world also respect Africa and allow them to strive in the global markets. And Nigeria playing her role with the numbers that we have as a people. Okay, there, I'm afraid we must leave it. Many thanks to all of you uh, for joining us for today's Inside Story. Hamzat Nawal, Aisha Yasufu, and Ovigwe Aguego. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Omari Stambouli, Fungi Nguyen, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Philip Morrison. The programme was edited by Mohamed Sobi, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Wednesday for our next edition. This week on The Take, how close is Sudan's healthcare system to collapse? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.